Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Sarah Kane, the Crusader Gal, and I'm joined by a very special guest today. It's Dr. Thaddeus Kaczynski, who taught philosophy and humanities for 10 years at Wyoming Catholic College, where he served as academic dean. He's also a writer. He has his own substack called Clemmy. He's written multiple books, one's called The Political Problem of Religious Pluralism and Why Philosophers Can't Fix It. Another is Modernity as Apocalypse, Sacred Nihilism and the Counterfeits of Logos. And finally, Words, Concepts, Reality, Aristotelian Logic for Teenagers. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to speak to you, Thaddeus. It's great to be here, Sarah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I I've read a lot uh, in the sense of fascination and camaraderie about some of what you've written about during the, the COVID years, and I think it kind of continues going forward. We, you and I, and I think a lot of other people, watched in horror for years as people's freedoms, their freedom to travel, to worship, to make their own medical decisions were infringed upon under the auspices of science, right? And I know that this country and countries throughout the West wouldn't have shut down over religious doctrine or requirement. There's no priest anywhere who could have said something that would have resulted in this kind of shutdown. But yet, to obey this mysterious force of science they did. Like, what do you think that says about our modern society? Well, I think it says that, number one, this liberalism and the rhetoric behind it that we hear every day incessantly ad nauseum about um, freedom of thought, freedom of everything. The people, the same people who are parroting this all the time, and who also took that freedom to mean freedom from the moral law, freedom from God, from religion. The minute, the second, that an authority figure uh, who seemed to be in their tribe uh, demanded absolute obedience and restrictions on all those freedoms, well, maybe some of them were allowed, the abortuaries were still open, the liquor stores. Priorities. That's true. But, but there were a lot of restrictions that even the liberals had to accept. Um, the second that happened, they immediately obeyed, blindly, without question, um, even to their own harm, uh, and even to the extent of imposing that obedience on others uh, in a kind of you know, totalitarian um, complicity, you know, people becoming tyrants over other people yeah i mean there were, lots, there were many the, tyrants all, all throughout you know when you go all the way from, you know from from the very highest levels and then down to to the person who wanted yes. to snitch on the neighbor they became everything they said they hated they became little fascist dictators on the turn of a on the flip of a coin turn of a dime they did this um and then and they wouldn't have done that for other authorities they wouldn't have done that for actual science, for actual public health, for actual moral uh, requirements. Um, but they would do it for this. And um, I mean, I guess I'm still trying to get my mind around what that exactly means. Um, but I, I do think it's the return of the repress on the one hand, because we all need a, uh, a unifying um, kind of centralized, unimpeachable authority to obey. We need this in our very bones. Souls need it. Even those who deny the existence of such a thing and who would say otherwise that they hate it, that they only obey themselves, they're starving for it. Yeah. And if we don't have the real thing, 
if we don't have metaphysical, moral, spiritual, ecclesial, and true political authority, cultural, you know, um, the counterfeit, when it comes and when it makes its demands, it's almost as if these same people have no ability to resist it. Um, right, because they have nothing else filling that void. There's nothing else filling the void, and they will be like the proverbial lemmings going off the cliff. They don't have the ability to resist it. Um, what bothers me the most, though, Sarah, is how many of those who you'd think would have the ability to and desire to resist it who went along with it as well. Right, and, and I do want to talk some in a little bit about the churches specifically who went along with it, but I do think that it points us back to, you know, Aristotle said that for, for humans, like if matter is the greatest and the highest reality, then politics becomes the highest science. Right. You know, and, and I do think that in our secular world, and it really is a secular world, and that was demonstrated throughout COVID, I know that like the vast majority of Americans say that they're Christian, but when it really came down to it, their highest um, ideal, that the, their highest servitude, you might say, was the state. And it was, perhaps you could argue, scientism, right? Because it was this religious yeah. adherence to this this thing that we're going to call science, which sort of is, but also isn't. Right. And I think as we go, as we look in this, if you do look at things in, in a very secular way, as in, you know, when we die, there is nothing. If you, if you see, if that's your sort of worldview, well, then pain and death are the ultimate evils. And because of that, safety is is the greatest good safety in the here and now of the physical body and that makes sense as to why like our doctor class become the saviors yeah that's true how do you ex and well put but how do you explain the fact that even when harm was being done to these people and their families and their communities their economy um their neighborhoods their social life um i think they were willing to endure some pain and have loss too, which is really bizarre because if it was just pain and suffering, um, you know, I, I don't think, I think, you know, they're, they're in denial. They say that nothing's harming them. The vaccines are great. Right. But I do think there's even something more desirable than a, a mere uh, materialistic, you know, this worldly life. It's to be in the in-group the one that's considered good and smart and enlightened, um, and to be able to point your finger at those others. That's the scapegoating desire. And I think that one trumps them all. But the desire to appear as moral. To appear as, as, as moral, as better, as the, the elite, you know, to, to appear as the anointed, you know, the, those who know. <laughs> Um, and you add to that the ability to 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 scapegoat others and to have this energy behind it coming from the highest authority, the state. That's so. It's like this: if you if you say that the state can act according to its own authority with nothing above it, you're basically saying that the state has no um, check whatsoever. It is absolute. But that's okay. If it's just giving you pornography and same-sex marriage and, you know, whatever else, yeah. uh, usurious economy, um, a kind of bourgeois existence, um, if it's giving you that, then we won't, we won't care so much about the absoluteness we've given to Leviathan. 
But when that Leviathan turns and decides to create a crisis and an emergency that calls for a more collectivist um, response, there really isn't any choice but to obey this. Because if you don't obey it then, then you're kind of a traitor. Um, it's part of your fidelity. It's part of your allegiance now. What kind of, I mean, what kind of got me was, was the, the limitlessness with which some people were willing to... Um, to not only obey, but then to then to sort of like herald themselves for their obedience. Like, I read this article. It was fairly early days into the pandemic or the scandemic, whatever. You know, a few a few months in, and there was this Guardian uh, writer who wrote this piece about how this was a contributor to the Guardian. She was working at this funeral home, and it was her her job. She thought to prevent these parents from effectively saying goodbye to their toddler who had died not of not of covid just this toddler had died and they weren't allowed to touch their toddler or to touch the coffin or anything like that and this woman was basically congratulating herself for her piety in being the enforcer of that because she had to and she was strong and that kind of thing and that like haunts me to this day like i still remember it and that was you know years ago at this point but that degree of just sort of like religious observance to it is horrifying. Yeah, it's unspeakable. And, um, you know, don't, don't discount the power of guilt. Um, these, the, the typical, you know, American, secular, uh, unreligious, irreligious, you know, um, fornicating, lying, um, living a life of rejection of truth, living for the body, not caring about God, um, you know, gossiping and betr little betrayals. I mean, the, the typical un un unrepentant person, um, especially if you've got some wealth and you've got, you know, a nice, a nice life. And I mean, this is a pretty, if, excuse my friends, a pretty shitty existence that people are living. And I think they kind of know it. Right. You give a chance to be to be moral and heroic and to be godlike to be holy even you give them a chance and they'll suffer because they're going to they're going to do penance in in this demonic diabolical counterfeit way and that's another thing the pandemic gave it gave all these people the chance to kind of to suffer to to, to practice mortification it was all just a huge counterfeit of catholicism you know what I mean? I do, and at the same time, it's the embrace of victimhood, which is also like the modern thing. You know, everyone wants to be a victim. We separate people into victimhood classes. We give oh, them, yeah. you know, privileges on the basis of that. And it's like, that's the sort of ultimate, I guess, virtue signal of a sort, you know? Yeah. You see how I'm the victim in this way, and therefore you should treat me better. And I think that in some ways yeah. that, that was the case, even well, though there was no real it, victimhood that wasn't like self-imposed. It pushed all the buttons. So it, it, it pushes the guilt button. You get to do penance. You get to feel like you're suffering. You get to feel like you're being moral. There's more to life than just your meaningless virtual existence uh, with, with, with no sense of transcendence. There's also a sense of tr a drama in life now. There's an evil you can point out. We're all together in this. You know, it's it's like Lord of the Rings. You know, it's it's got that feeling to this drama, this story. We've got the storyline. We've got the enemies. We've got the good guys. I mean, nine eleven was the same thing. I saw it at nine eleven. The same dynamics. People were, 
you know, um, having the same kind of religious experience of scapegoating and identifying who's evil. And also, and this is the most powerful, I'm identifying with, with the saved, with the, with the, with the, the chosen, with the, um, you know, the chosen people. The chosen people, the ones who are saved, are the ones who are orthodox, mm-hmm. who believe, right. who believe in, in Fauci, in science, uh, who are smart, who are intelligent, who, who put others' lives before their own. Okay, that sense of being part of that saved community, that's really strong. I mean, that's right. It, and it's, it does. It's really strong. And it does seem like there was a, a kind of unholy priesthood that was established throughout these years. And, yeah. and I would even say it goes back further than that. We just didn't notice it as much that you kind of had the well, the doctor says it's the doctor's orders, that kind of thing, where the, the doctors certainly for decades now has had much higher prestige in our society than, say, a priest. Right. Um, and, and yet we, we say that we're a Christian society, but not really. And in this particular case, when the state really took charge at the federal level, let's say, it sort of raised people like Deborah Burks, and Anthony Fauci into this unholy priesthood. These are these are the people who advocate and represent science, which is the new religion. And here they are. And you must, you know, obey. Yeah, it, it was set up for a long time, um, sociologically, um, Structurally, institutionally, you know, um, uh, Ivan Illich, the great uh, Catholic thinker of the 60s, he talks about the professionalization of all these things like health and education um, and how the institutionalization, professionalization of these of these goods like health and education and, and uh, you know, wealth creation and any and food. What it, what it does is it, is, it, is it puts these things within a kind of framework where, by definition, the, bu- the bureaucracy and those who, those who stand in for it, who speak for it, can't do anything but serve the public good. That, that's its job, and that's what it does. It's scientific. It's just like if you put something through the scientific method, it can't fail. Um, it's the best we can do. And whatever, whatever the deliverance is of the scientific method, whatever it sort of delivers at the end is what we must accept. Otherwise, we're back to, you know, medieval uh, superstition and people just thinking that they know what the truth is. No, we're past that. And so the bureaucrat and the bureaucracy is the kind of pure rational structure of modernity. And, you know, it does work as long as there's not psychopaths (laughs) and Satanists who are deciding what the ends are. Because remember, a bureaucracy is only concerned with means, right? It's the means to an end. And the ends sort of decided. They're self-evident. What happens when evil people decide that these ends are going to be diabolical ends, like depopulation, like totalitarian control? The bureaucracy is completely um, defenseless. And also, those people who have had years, decades of deferring to the bureaucratic rationality and, and judgments, it, 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 this, you can't escape it. And anyone who doesn't go with those judgments is considered kind of uh, in the outer darkness, uh, not even a citizen, not, not rational, not modern. It's, in, it's, um, it's interesting that you, you, you know. say this, actually, because... One of the things that I found fascinating looking back on on those years is the fact that the more mystical societies, you know, uh, excuse the phrase you just used, uh, were, well, they did better. Okay, I met this woman, 
uh, about a month ago, and she was an immigrant who came here from the Congo when she was young, and she visited a again not that long ago and was told that that COVID was the white man's disease. And she ended up actually going back to Tanzania during the, the sort of height of COVID when it was just ridiculous here and just living normal life. And they told her, take your mask off. It's that's just a white people thing, you know, and it's like and if you look at the statistics, yeah, most of Africa did really just just fine with COVID and they ignored it, you know, and it's it's here where we forcibly, yes. you know, that we forcibly injected people, we forcibly masked them, we stopped them from engaging in exercise, you know, all of this we did in, in the civilized West, you know, where we care so much about science, supposedly, there they just kind of said, screw it all, and, and they did, they did better. Yeah, and those, um, those third world uh, black countries that, whose leaders decided not to go with the narrative and question it were murdered. Yes. Yes. Very, very civilized. That's very civilized. You don't accept this narrative, we murder you. Right. I mean, there's nothing in the Middle Ages or Dark Ages that, that even amounts to that kind of brutality. Okay? Um, and and the, the kind of cruelty and brutality of not allowing, like you mentioned, a mother to touch the coffin of a child. This is the kind of cruelty that religion, in the bad sense, as the liberals tell us, is doing. And yet they're the ones doing it. I mean, you, you cannot find more irony and more hypocrisy in the last two years. It, it's off the scale. Yeah. And it, you can't even satirize it. I mean, no. it's, just, it's just... I don't um, know how to tell somebody, like, you know, you can go to Tanzania to escape the tyranny that was established in America. That sentence doesn't yeah. make sense to me and shouldn't. Because those are places that That's we associate right. with, with tyranny and with corruption, and not without cause, I might add. You know... Except for the fact that here we established a tyranny every bit as bad and in many cases absolutely worse. We associate such places as being inferior, less developed, less free. But if we've got the right motivation, we can be far more tyrannical than anything they establish over there. And the, the height of the tyranny is psychological always, spiritual. Yeah. It's when it's when the it's when um, people internalize of their, of their oppressors, which is a good phrase. You should memorize that, say it often, once a day. Um, internalize the commands of your oppressors. Who did that more than the bishops when they shut down the church during Holy Week? They, they, not, they, they were not just coerced physically, externally, by fear, you know, like maybe in some kind of Islamic regime, Saudi Arabia or something, when there's a, obviously a kind of um, physical, violent persecution of Catholics, right? Right. They actually internalized this satanic counter-gospel and then imposed it on themselves and others with the understanding they were doing the will of Jesus Christ. So you have a person sitting in Rome uh -huh. named Bergoglio who is telling us that to take a poison injection that is known to be poisonous, that was known to be initiated as part of a plan to destroy the West and to enslave everyone to a kind of Hunger Games society. You have this guy telling us not only is it morally okay to take it, but it's an obligation of charity. Right, because you love your neighbor but if you take there it. Is, there is no lower. I mean, maybe it's going to get lower. I don't know. But to me, that's the lowest 
absolute nadir of Western culture was the moment we had the highest authority on earth um, mouthing the dictates. So those that don't know, he's referencing the Pope. There are some non-Catholics who watch this and they're going to be confused. And so I was just trying to help. The Bishop of Rome, who, who Bergoglio, um, who is de facto, as much as you can imagine, someone who's doing the most destruction uh, to the church that any pope has ever done. Um, and there's a whole debate about whether or not the resignation was valid of Benedict XVI. That's, that's an in-house Catholic debate there. But the point is, the, the greatest evil is, is when you have an, uh, an ideology that's uh, malicious and um, systematically uh, engineered to counterfeit and, uh, you know, just try to destroy like Freemasonry or something, to yeah. try to destroy the Christ and the Church. When you've got people who think that in obeying that and 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 commanding others to obey it, uh, that they think they're actually doing the will in of their own ideology, it, it's it's sort of like you have Catholicism and you get someone to think they're being Catholic by acting and thinking in an anti-Catholic way. I mean, that's that's a real big trick of the right, devil. Right, and the thing is, like. And you touched upon this earlier, that you know there is this this yearning inside the human heart for God, and and we do see in communist regimes, most especially, that the the state becomes kind of godhead, right? It replaces um, the, the yeah. necessary state of God. And, if, and people who who haven't really spent any time thinking about this, if you look over at North Korea and the way they have the statues of their leaders, uh, and that they basically worship. The leaders, they do in fact worship the leaders. You see something very similar in China, and you also see the eradication of real religion there for the same reason, right? Because they're trying to establish the state as the religion. I understand why communists do that. I understand that it's fundamental to that they become that, that there be no greater moral authority. So that wasn't surprising, I think, even when here in the US, when we saw that, when frankly the people who are in power are communists and they they were establishing the state as higher than God. It didn't surprise me at all. Um, the sellout by every major Protestant denomination and the Catholic Church, that was a bit much, actually. You know, they, they also accepted the same thing, that the state and its mandates are higher than and more important than God and his edicts. You know? I, I just think it brought out what was already there. I think what was already there was a faith that was completely distorted and privatized and neutered and um, really not the Catholic faith. Um, it's not the Catholic faith to think that what you believe is just an option. It's just it's just your opinion. It has no authority politically, economically, cultural. Um, that, 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 that when it comes down to it, the state has the right to use coercive power and to make decisions on important matters, not the church. To, to believe in all that, is not to accept the social reign of Christ the King, which is a fundamental doctrine of church teaching. Right. Okay, so what you had was was bishops and 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 all the way on down lay people, um, you know, looking like they're Catholic. They may go to mass and pray, but when the test came, are you going to burn incense to Caesar? Right. This. This this imposed narrative. All you have to do is wear the mask. All you have to do is take the shot. Um, and and why should I do that? Because I'm telling you to. 
why should I obey you? Because I am the authority, the state says. The church not only went along with this, but counseled its people to do it. Um, this is treason of the highest order. This is just is treason of the highest order. Right. And, and, in, and the, the they church. told people to take these vaccines, the damage of which we're still finding out and will be for, for probably decades, which we knew were founded using what well, were created using abortion research, which we yeah. knew were harmful, which we knew were rushed to market, which we knew we weren't able to sue the manufacturers, you know, for the damage that was caused. Which, by the way, isn't that unusual yep. with vaccines? But in any case, you know, we knew they were all experimental. All of this was known, and yet, despite all of it, it was just you know, shut up and take the vaccine and do do your part, as if that. You know, and it's just, it's shocking to the conscience when you think about it, and how many people just kind of subjected their kids to that, and said, you know what, you you have to go to this public school to be taught about what transgenderism whilst you're there, and therefore you have to go yep. and take go ahead and take this the, the clot shot beforehand in order to get into that environment. And I'm just like I'm seeing some like crazy world. It just doesn't make any sense. No. You know, I could, I could kind of, I mean, you, you've heard of the idea of mass formation. Yes. Have you heard? Yeah, that, that does explain a lot. Listeners who don't know that there's a kind of psychological state that could be produced uh, in a mass of people when you have certain conditions uh, in that society. Um, if you have a, a lot of loneliness and a feeling of being isolated and not connected, if you've got a lot of anxiety that doesn't have an object, it's free floating. When you have a lot of frustration that doesn't have an object to put it on, and when you have loss of meaning, uh, people just live meaningless lives. They don't like their jobs. Their life doesn't have meaning. They're constantly distracting themselves. Their souls are suffocating. If in that environment, if you give people a sense of what they should be fearing and what is to be feared, that gives them an object for their anxiety. If you give them an enemy, it gives them an object for their frustration. And then you give them a purpose. You say, you're going to be, you're going to save the world. You're going to, you're going to do the right thing. You're going to take this sacramental of Satan, basically, and everyone will love you for it. We'll all praise you. You're such a good person. Now you have meaning and you have a group. You've got everyone smiling at each other in the stores, masking, can't see the smile. And then, <laughs> yeah. then you see the unmask come in and all of a sudden they're all friends against the unmasker. All of a sudden they're they're just best friends, part of a church, a new church. That's recipe for mass brainwashing. And what happens in that state is if you've given into that, if you've given into that um, brainwashing kind of uh, drug almost, uh, it's very hard to get out of it. And you will then do – it's like you've become hypnotized and then you'll do whatever they tell you. And, and what gets and what gets me is that for that to take place, we had to have a pretty broken society to begin with, you know, a, yes. a society w without community, a society where people felt like they didn't matter. And one right. of the things that I keep thinking about, and this is more recently, but one of the uh, people who wanted to shoot one of the Supreme Court justices, I think it was Justice Kavanaugh, you know, after yeah. that, he was like, I think he said something to the effect of, I just wanted to matter. And That's it was, it. and it's just like, that problem is so manifest in young people and we have them so disconnected and so isolated and they're just like living on their phones with one dopamine hit after the other, but they're not actually integrated into society at all and they don't think that their lives have matter. And frankly, the the public schools, I think, teach this. They teach that an individual doesn't have value because they teach uh, 
meaning from a secular perspective and how can there be meaning in that you're just you're quite literally matter and then on a long enough timeline you will be forgotten and and that is all that is it you have no actual purpose for being here look at it this way yes well said the only meaning that you could ever have is the one that you give to things to your life everybody knows that if you have to give the meaning it doesn't exist because you can't create something from nothing everybody knows that so they're fake meanings they're play acting meanings what everyone is is starving for in their soul is to discover their meaning to find it like in a story to find out what you've been chosen to do since eternity everybody wants that and if you think if the only options are to, are creating your own meaning in a kind of nietzsche and ubermensch you know m mode which maybe nobody can do nietzsche said only the the strong would do this and everyone else would just be serfs and slaves and fine yeah. but but nobody can do it. Nobody can do it. Nietzsche couldn't do it. Um, the, if the alternative to meaninglessness, because you have to give yourself a meaning, then maybe I'll just get my meaning from a really strong, powerful, ubiquitous demand. Right. Even if it's even if it's untrue, even if it's irrational, if everybody else is doing it, and and if it coerces me a little and I get a little afraid, or if it promises me to be the savior from that thing. Oh, now I have meaning. And how many Catholics gave themselves over to this? How many Christians? Um, how many Catholic intellectuals who are still are still embracing some part of this absolute nonsense? There's one recent writer who just who wrote an article, not recently, but who said this is the middle ground on vaccines. And he tr he's a philosopher, and he tried to say, well, you know, you have the extreme positions, people who think this was a planned you know, de genocide by a conspiracy of, of, of you know, James, Bo James Bond villains. By the way, Klaus Schwab is a James Bond villain. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So there's that extreme, right? Mm -hmm. And the other extreme is, oh, yes, mandates are great, and, you know, we should force them on people. And No, I believe that mandates are wrong. They go it goes against classical liberalism. You shouldn't force people to do this. But I do think as a Catholic, you have every right to get this vaccine. You're in good conscience if you want to get it. So, you know, you can do that. I just, okay, let's change the words. You have the right and, and, and you're in good conscience to take a poison that may very much kill you and play Russian roulette. You can play Russian roulette for fun, actually, because there's no reason to take the shot. Everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. So you're actually just harming risking harming yourself you could do that in good conscience now that's the truth but this philosopher is so afraid of maybe being seen as like an alex jones type or a conspiracy theorist you know these intellectuals who are in the conservative circles and catholic circles they are traitors they are traitors because if you're going to be a catholic intellectual and you're going to have all the talents and disposition to know the truth you're like 0.01 percent of the population you've got the faith you've got big brain you've got a perch you've got influence you better be even more truth-telling than these people on the internet who just have a substack. You, you and yet they're the ones who actually become controlled opposition and limited hangouts and I, i'm telling you i i to me that's the most the worst treason i've seen is is the catholic thinkers who are and leaders who who have betrayed their people with this stuff? Yeah, I guess they just didn't want to lose anything. I, I suppose. I, I guess it's just selling out in a very 
classic. Well, right. well, you, you put things in a very, very short way that I could have. <laughs> yeah, there. <laughs> could you be a sellout? I mean, this is a sacred vocation. I mean, this this is a philosopher is a sacred vocation. Your job is to right. go out there and and find the truth and unmask the evil and every every part of it, not just one part, but all of it, and come back and help the people. I mean, who who can't who don't have the resources or leisure time, and that's your job. Not to, not to kind of be afraid to speak about all truth because you know maybe you you'll you'll lose something like you said, and, and that well you know that's, that's just thing, endemic. That, that, endemic. Yeah, well, it's just the, the higher the higher people sort of get, societally speaking, the more they have to lose, the less likely they are to speak honestly. And and I hate that that is the case, but it is. And I, I think it just stands towards to human vice. But it's like if you're going to say that I'm also a Catholic intellectual, then then you kind of have you're, you're held to a higher standard. Yes. So you better be careful about moving yourself into that spot if you're not prepared to to handle it and you know take the fall if it comes. No, but it's but it's um, the Catholic intellectuals who also claim to be, you know, orthodox, and they practice the faith, and they they claim to try they're trying to be a saint. Like, right. okay, your path to sainthood is pretty obvious. It, it's <laughs> it's telling the truth. Um, so anyway, that's a pet peeve of mine. But but I think it's endemic. Um, I don't yeah. know how to solve that problem. I, I I've seen it in Catholic academia. I've seen it. You know, in, in the in the whole in the journals and in, in blogosphere, um, so it's a it's a tough problem. Um, you, you know, there's no one to shame them because they just cancel you and they, you know they just put you in a little box. So it's hard it's hard to get to these people. Really, they just have to see it, I guess. Yeah, I I think that the church itself became essentially a state actor. Yeah during this period and that's that's kind of disturbing you know for all these people who scream about the separation of the church and state right the um the, the secularists who do that they demanded that the state control the churches and that the churches obey the state and in fact you know the church did uh which is horrendous it's I, I'm, a, I'm a new catholic and i actually wasn't a catholic during the beginning of of the scandemic but i talked oh, about really? no i didn't know that Yes, yes. I, I joined the Catholic Church this year at the Easter Vigil. I, I was officially confirmed. Yes, oh. so I, I'm very new. But in any case, back then I was talking about how the Catholic Church was undermining the, the necessity of its own sacraments by yes. just by closing down. And that was one of the arguments that I made back then. And I still don't see that that point is wrong. Because it's but. like, if they're necessary, then the church, the churches that shut down, did a disservice to their parishioners, and they they turned their backs from God. I don't I don't know how they else did. to see it. That's the only way to see it. That's what they did. And I mean I don't know how you're still a Catholic. You you came into the church in the worst possible. I know time. I know exactly like, I I did, but I, I didn't. Well, somehow you see you see the church even in the midst of of this. Of well, this yeah, I, I I do because it. It's not like choosing a faith based upon what I want, else I'd just choose the one that lets me do whatever the heck I want, you know? That's not what it is, it's about finding the truth, and, and I think yeah. I found it here. And, you know, I believe in apostolic succession, so that kind of, like, um, makes everything make sense. And when you look at the Protestant church and they just kind of threw out all the books that didn't work for them in order to make a new theology entirely. But anyway, um, yeah. coming back <laughs> to the topic before we get way off, 
what do you think the answer is for the faithful during these times? Um, I mean, I don't know if I could say anything that isn't kind of generic, like Best you stay, can. Close, stay close to God, um, stay close. To, let me just say, so, so the non-negotiables are remain in the church, remain in the ark, you know, it's the ark. Um, remain loyal to the sacraments, to the rosary, to daily prayer, um, to fasting, mortification. Um, I would add to this uh, room for silence. So I, I, I've taken up a kind of prayer that I think is powerful. It's twice a day you sit and, and chant um, a name, like Jesus's name, in your mind very slowly, and you just let God be, let, you, let yourself be with God. And you kind of just move away from your thoughts and just just be be with Christ with using that simple name as your as your anchor. If you could do that twice a day for twenty to thirty minutes, start twenty minutes, it'll really show you what's going on in your soul. And it's a it's a it's a good, it's a practice of dying. It's a practice of poverty of spirit. Um, it's it's a disposition to contemplation. You can't force yourself to contemplate by a technique. God will bring you into contemplation, uh, infuse contemplation. But you can say to God you want it, and you could say it by doing that discipline. So I would, I would recommend that for everyone. This, this is way off topic, but that's it's one thing I really liked about the Latin Mass that I went to was, yes. was that there's that there's there's silent periods, silent. and yet you, you know, like my, my, the regular Mass that I go to is a Novus Ordo, and it's it's you know, and they do it as well as they can, but yeah. But when I go to the Latin Mass and it's like this full immersion in it, and yet there's periods of quiet where you can really just pray and connect with God in a way that I just don't get from. I know. Yeah. I know. True. I, I, I do attend the Latin Mass regularly. Um, you just have to be careful with Latin Mass subcultures because sometimes you have Pharisees there. You got to be careful of the Pharisees. The inner circle. We're, we're, we're better. We're better. You know, Fair enough. Um, got to be careful. And then the second thing I think is important uh -huh. is to is, is to read the lives of mystics and their and I think mystical. So Karl Rahner is someone I don't read his theology too much, um, but he did write a great book on mystical prayer, um, or, or he had a, he has a, a book of mystical prayers and meditations, and he also I think it's called Silence and Solitude. I forgot the name of it. Prayers and Solitude. Um, but uh, he also said that the in the sixties, maybe he said the Christian of the future will be a mystic or he won't exist at all. Hmm. In other words, what he was saying was it's going to get so bad. It, the, the culture is going to, you know, just crumble. Um, the, the, the safeguards and the bulwarks and the training wheels, you might say, you're going to have to be really, you know, in touch with God in a deep way. And, so that prayer I mentioned helps helps that the silent prayer prayer it's called prayer of simple regard or prayer of the heart. Um, it's also the cloud of unknowing talks about this prayer that medieval um, text. But it's important to kind of aim to be a mystic, and that doesn't mean special special ecstasies and levitating. It just means having the real experience of God. Um, deep and real. You, we need that. So there's one um, mystic who I think is probably the greatest one of them all. Her name is Luisa Picaretta. And I would recommend looking up her um, 
36 volumes that were dictated to her by Jesus in the mid to late 1800s. Uh, and also, no, actually the late 1800s to the early 1900s. Um, and those 36 volumes are a teaching on how to live um, in the divine will. And uh, I've been studying these writings and trying to practice this, 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 this new, this high level of holiness. It's really a gift um, for several years now. And I think she is the answer uh, to our times because it's the greatest grace ever given to the church. Um, the grace of being able to live in God's divine will, not just, a, but live in it. So those two things, um, Luisa Picaretta, and uh, you can find her writings online, um, and Silent Prayer. So those are my spiritual things. Other things, I don't know. I mean, you, you have well, the- you have to have community. You have to have community. Make it through. Good, good friends. Got to have it. Um, and good sources for news. You have to know how to detect propaganda from truth. You have to really do that, you know? Yep. And it's tough. In fact, there's an election coming up and also flu season. So I don't know about you, but I can see a crisis on the horizon. Listen, we're, we're in a lull right now. <laughs> uh-huh. How do I know it's coming back, whatever it is, and it's going to come back perhaps worse? Because they're not in jail, okay? Like, people don't <laughs> uh-huh. stop until they are stopped. They don't just choose yeah. to stop, okay? They gave us this totalitarianism for two and a half years to prepare us for the next phase, which I can't see how it's not going to be bound up with climate change. I don't know if you agree with me on that. That that, that might be it. it. It wouldn't surprise me at all that they have been hitting that pretty hard as a topic and they've been rewriting that as an emergency. That's one of their kind of new things is to call it an emergency as much as possible. I guess it's not that new, but they have increased doing so over the time. So I would not be surprised at all. Yeah. So it's going to come again. Um, I couldn't imagine what came before it came. It was outside of my paradigm, the scandemic. It was completely something I could not, I mean, after 9-11, I was ready for another 9-11, some other kind of crisis, manufactured crisis, false flag, terrorism, all that. But never could I have imagined what came. And I don't know what's going to come next. Um, But I do think we're in what you might call the end times. I think that's true. I I, I really do think we are. I think we're in the great tribulation um, that's that's written about in the book of Revelation. Um, And the things that are coming, if that's true, are two things. One is the Antichrist. That's that's um, definitely in, in the works. Um, and I think the the vaccine, the fake vaccine, was um, not the mark of the beast, but a preparer for it. Seems to me it was a dry run, you might say. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's the exact same thing. Um, and. The other thing that is supposed to come from the consensus of mystics is the warning. Have you heard of this? No. So the warning is an event that comes right before the the great chastisement to get everybody ready. And it's when everybody will see their soul as God sees it at once in the world before they die. It'll be like a judgment before they die. I mean, not right before their death. It will be a, a judgment of everyone's soul at the same time. Everyone will see it. They'll know exactly where they stand with God. I've heard of this. Yeah, and okay. that really has a lot of testimony uh, about this happening. And 
Um, I, I can't tell you it's coming tomorrow or anything, but I do think it's good to, to think of your life right now as preparing for that moment because just just consider what that will be like. Um, some people will go mad. Some people will die on the spot and others will be consoled. Um, but it will be like God coming to us in an intimate way, um, in such a way that we can't rationalize anything. We're just going to see it and we're going to be given a choice to go deeper into God or deeper into um into sin and rejection. So I think that's coming. Uh, it's my understanding that you're a big proponent of homeschooling. Is that your like main advice to parents at this point? I mean, oh well, you know, I actually there are good, there are good schools. You have to find them. But if, if if it's if it's a if it's a choice between your typical Catholic school, your typical public school, I mean, it's a no brainer. Um, right. Do what you can to be able to keep your kids safe spiritually and emotionally and physically now. Um, do whatever sacrifice you can to enable that. Uh, don't worry that you're not a good homeschooler. There's so many resources. Other, if you can't do it, then you're going to have to find a, a better school. If it means you move, you move. You don't ever put your children's souls at risk for anything. I mean, nothing, nothing. So I would just say, like, get your priorities right. Um it's 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 essential and and just be be awake to how bad some of these places are there are good schools i teach in a public charter school in california and it's a wholesome place and we talk about the truth and there's no wokeness and people, a lot of them people there are christians and i mean we don't teach the faith but philosophy and socratic method and classical education and so you can find these places you know definitely okay so lots of research Oh, yeah, fair enough. What um, do you think? What do you think it is the, the the answer? I'll just turn your question on you. I'm just curious. Um, exactly the same. I think there are some places where I think that homeschooling is the best answer um, because there are some places where you just don't have a decent school. Yes, within within shot, and I think that's it's certainly harder for uh, poorer families who have fewer options for that reason as well. Um, I think that homeschooling is easier than a lot of people think it is. I think that one of the few blessings of the, um, the 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 COVID era has been that it has taught people that it's not as hard as they thought it would be. Yeah, right. And you know, because because they've they've actually looked for the resources and found yes. that they're available, they're found to. that they're yeah. like, right. There are self scoring um, programs and that kind of thing that actually exist online uh, that they didn't even know was a thing. I think further, it bears consideration for those who think that they're not qualified to teach their kids. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, okay, but you, and therefore they send their kids to the public school. And it's like, well, you went to the public school. If you're unqualified, then why? Because the public school <laughs> yeah. failed you. This is the school that you want, you want to send your kids <clears throat> to. So, you know, I think it, that bears some consideration as well. No, you could do it. There's so many resources. You follow a curriculum, you learn along with them. You love them. Right. It's wholesome. Um, you know, it's, it's be stressful. Of course I, I homeschooled my wife and I, mostly my wife, I, my three children, um, they did pretty well. Um, one more thing. Um, <clears throat> as I write about on my Substack, which is thaddeuskaczynski.substack.com. Lemmy is my cat's name, my old cat. So, and, and it's just silly. So I used it as a name. It's kind of a comic relief. Because um, what I write about is not silly and funny. <clears throat> but one of the things I common theme is that the last two and a half years were a pandemic of disobedience and treason. 
disobedience to the little things that right in front of you and treason and little, little things. So you're a school board, you know, member and you get a sense that maybe the mask is useless and harmful, but <clears throat> you, you just don't do the right thing. You just go along with it. It's not a big deal. No one finds out. People congratulate you for it. You forget about it. Mm-hmm. That was treason. That was disobedience. If you had obeyed your conscience there, things if just think of everybody in that situation right there would have simply obeyed their conscience instead and done what was right. And I'm saying that like the solution to this evil is in little ways stay loyal to God and and your state in life. That's probably the hardest thing to do right now. Um but and it's not the big things. It's just, just do what you're called to do. And the pandemic was the great temptation. Uh, I, there's, there's something I've actually been wanting to ask you about yeah, this. Um, I, I had this um, sense and understanding that those who, they utter the words, the state says you have to. Like, yeah. I think that's kind of offensive to the martyrs who died for the faith throughout centuries past. But I think that we kind of live in a time where people are entirely disconnected from the fact those people even existed. Yes. And I think it's intentional. I think that, you know, we're raising these generations of people, of kids who never could understand that people have died to defend the West, to defend Christendom. Mm-hmm. That, you know, mm-hmm. that, that in some sense they have a debt owed to those people who, who fought that and also to pass something on to the posterity. And I think that we have this sort of like lacking, like we, we exist in this very time, entirely, you know, separated from anything, you know, future or past. And I think that's entirely intentional in order to keep people, frankly, more easily manipulated, yes, but also entirely uninspired, because who's willing to fight that they thought that nobody ever has before? They don't, they don't even see an example except for those on Marvel. You know, there's something really lacking and wrong here. Great point. I mean, how often do you hear mainstream sermons or catechism class, RCIA, do they talk about these things? They actually are embarrassed about them. Right. And you so, know, you know, I, yeah. it, it's been one of the things, you know, I've had the, the Deus Vault thing uh, for some time. I call it the Crusader Gal. I like to remind people of the Crusades of a time when, when, when the faithful were willing to like literally lay down their lives for the faith. And that's something that nowadays we have this sort of like milk toast Christianity where people just don't even consider that, that that's what they stand upon. You know, they stand upon those bodies who surrendered themselves that we might be able to to enjoy the very little amount of persecution, relatively speaking, um, today. You know, we're asking them to, to say no to a shot. You know, we're asking them to stand up and, and speak for the faith. And it, it's just, it's kind of frustrating at times when you say, you know, can you speak against this? Can you speak against the state? Well, no, the state said so. Like, <laughs> do, do you understand what you're saying and who you offend? Yes. Yeah. The state also said Jesus should be crucified. Right. Yes. I mean, and it's, you know, a good state, a state that's actually doing the common good and has laws that reflect the natural law and is not its own authority, right? The state that Aristotle and Plato have talked about, that state does does uh, require and demand and, and deserve your obedience to good laws. And so that's true, right? The libertarianism that says only if the state is my taxi cab driver and he, does, he goes where I want him to go, that's not a Catholic position, right? 
But this is not a legitimate state we have. This is a totalitarian monster. It's not a state. It's a mafia of criminals. Okay, so it's like saying, well, the criminal mafia said it. I should do it. Yeah, right. maybe they're going to kill you, but there's no moral imperative, right? People don't realize we're run by organized criminals. It's just, it's, it's so obvious. You look, they're organized criminals. And this whole entire scandemic was a work of organized crime. And people like Reiner Fulmick, and you know him, he, he's, 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 he's doing it. He's showing yeah. it. He's having the, he's got a grand jury investigations. Um, so that's just a, a, a deceptive, you know, shibboleth. Uh, it's the state. If it were a state, you might have an argument, right? Right. That's the same argument I hear. The state has the right to mandate vaccines. Even somebody as illustrious and brilliant and Socratic as Alistair McIntyre, a great philosopher, in, in 2016, I think, or 15, gave a lecture at Notre Dame where he promoted the right of the state to demand vaccinations. And it was, I remember reading that and saying, wait a minute, are you sure we have a state, Alistair? Because this is the same state that you say is a ramshackle organization that asks you to die for it, like killing, for, like dying for the telephone company. That's what you said. Now you're saying the state is going to force people to inject themselves. Um, and it was troubling. It was very troubling. Um, it's it, it, that piece is on my Substack, and we're hearing the same argument from some Christians and Catholics today. Um, the bishops, well, you know, it, it's public health. We, they have we don't know anything. We're not the experts, and it, it's it's a demonic delusion. That's all I could say. And there's no talking to these people. They're not going to get it. They're in they're in the mass formation. I think. Yeah, I think so too. But let's end on a happier note. Um, <laughs> this is uh, indeed. Listen, it's the greatest time to be alive. Um, it's the greatest drama we're in. Um, there's so much opportunity to show your love for God and to have meaning in your life. I mean, even if your meaning is, I'm never going to submit to this evil. I'm going to fight it. Yeah, it's a great. Meaning. I mean, we're in Lord of the Rings, and the ring is this. The you know, put the ring on. Just just put it on. Just put the mask on. You could you could put the, just take the shot. And we're all the hobbits, and we're all called to be Sam and Frodo now, or maybe some of us Aragorn, some of us Gandalf. You know, kind of marshalling the the things, um, marshalling the group. Um, I, I mean, I really think Tolkien was prophetic, and we're in that. Isn't it nice to be in Lord of the Rings? When you watch the movie, you're like, I want to be in that. Yeah. Well, we're in it. We're in it. Yeah, so, there's certainly a fight, you know, and, and they're close um, to God. we certainly need a lot more people who are willing to, to stand up and, and fight alongside us. Thank you for doing your part, Dr. Thaddeus Kaczynski. Uh, I hope I'm my part. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Absolutely, let us. And if you want to see more of Dr. Thaddeus Kaczynski's work, I already mentioned his books. They will be linked in the description down below, as will his Substack. This won't be on YouTube, so if you go look at it for that, don't go look at over, over there. It'll be everywhere else. All right, thank you guys. If you liked that video enough to make it to the end of the video, which is like superhuman in terms of modern attention spans, please make sure to share this with your friends and family. I also have links in the description so you can follow me elsewhere. And you can find other videos. Thanks.